Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers Podcast. This is episode 43. My name is Rick. I'm joined today by Lizzie. Hello, Lizzie. Hiya. And I'm joined by Tom L as well. Hi, Tom. Hi, Rick. Hi, Lizzie. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining me. Uh, This is a board game podcast, so we're going to talk about some of the games that we've been playing recently. We've got a question of the week, which is uh, travel games. What do you you take with you? Uh, How do you play games when you're going away? Things like that. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of games that we've played played recently. So I've got a couple of good ones to, to chat about. But before that, we've got some we've got some news as well. Some sad news, unfortunately. Uh, Klaus Teubers passed away. Um, he's the designer of Catan, which is one of the big Euro games that kind of made board gaming popular again. Released in '95, I think it was. Uh, won lots of awards for. Spilled, yeah. Spilled, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a big uh, a big impact. Uh, he's designed other games as well. Of course, he's designed lots of lots of different games, and there's been lots of expansions. But Catan, I think, still in still in print now, still still being played. We've we've got a copy in the club, and we we play it every now and then. I have a copy at home, and just playing it with my son. I think it's it's one of the games that is kind of broken through to the mainstream as well. So if you ask people yeah. to name like a classic board game they'll say obviously monopoly scrabble things like that but uh, i wouldn't be surprised if a few people say Catan in there as well it's amazing how many people these days if i if i mention that i play board games for some reason and they'll go oh i I play games sometimes and you ask them what they play they'll most of the time say settlers so Mm. uh, even if they've not played anything else people have often played settlers Catans. but it's pretty impressive how how sort of popular it's, it's become it is now like you say it's one of those games now that everybody plays mm. well i think it's also hit that problem along with dominion that people have got there it has been superseded and people have gone oh i don't like the mechanics and things it's like well it might not be as good as other things you know but it, it's like a, the citizen cane of board games there's just things that it does <laughs> that other things have progressed from there. So whether it, you look at it and go, well, mm. there, there are better things or this, that and the other, it has a mm. classic status and it did things like Dominion did mm. that just opened things up. And I think it is a yeah. deserved winner. It's quite just great for the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there's a reason why it's lost the settlers of because there's been so many different additions, variants and things that it has become bigger than its origins. Yep, so that's uh, that's one thing. So an- another thing uh, um, I mentioned a few episodes ago, though, is I was getting back into miniature painting again. So after having sort of had a break for a while, I've, I've, I have bought some paints. I bought some of those um, speed paints that you can buy now. Uh, bought some brushes and some paints and stuff. So uh, I've got a game called Massive Darkness 2, which I got for Christmas. Um, and I've, I've, I've finished painting it. <laughs> wow. It was, wow. It, it was... Eight, 82 models yeah 82 oh, 83 figures i think it was uh-huh. so it's a big uh yeah big ask to do that especially for a beginner with me looks like a little bit rusty as well and my eyesight's going because i'm getting a bit older now <laughs> so the good thing is nowadays that there's some really good youtube channels out there that have got like tutorials and stuff uh so the specific models that i've been painting you can sort of paint along with the tutorials and it shows you you know it tells you what colors to put on where and how to do where to do the shading all that kind of stuff so that's really, really been helpful to, to sort of learn and progress and get them painted up to a, you know, a fairly decent standard. Well, if you want, I've still got loads of minis in my pile of shame. I can, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good two years if I do eighty-three minis in that period. 
yeah. I might have a break for a little bit now. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with I'm done with miniatures for a little bit. Yeah, once I started painting, I went through a phase of going, oh, I can buy, oh, I could paint those models. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And like, buying <laughs> loads of things, but now now it's the opposite. Oh my god, oh, I can't paint anymore. I've got plenty to paint. I don't need any more. <laughs> so now I now I've gone back to avoiding anything which has too yeah. many models in it. Well, so some standees will do fine. Like. I do like things where you you've got that option if you want to, but as long as they look good enough as they mm. are. So I, I backed Kickstarter, which has similar number of models, and thankfully the goodies are in one color plastic and the bados are in another one. So it's like fine, good. I don't have to sit and feel guilty. But I think I've got about fifteen mechs from uh, BattleTech and nearly all oh, pay- yeah. fit finished now. But I'm chronically slow people who know me you know it's not bobbins now um my painting but i'm just naturally so so i think i've got a bit of dysgraphia i do have doctor's handwriting unsurprisingly um (laughs) but i do struggle with the hand and eye anyway so but just slow um Well, it's not, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not really about like the quality of what you paint or how long it takes or anything. It's, it's like how much you enjoy it, isn't it? If you find it relaxing and you can sort of yeah. sit down and spend half an hour doing it or a couple of hours or whatever you feel like at that time, that's that's what counts really. As long as you're having fun, that's the main, yeah. that's the main it, point. It, it of is it. really rewarding to do. I, I would sort of mm. encourage oh, yeah. anyone to give it a go because it, it is surprisingly easy to make something decent mm. and not amazing. It's it's a lot of work to try and do that sort of thing but to make something like good enough for the table to go yeah that looks, that looks mm. that's good it's it's actually not that difficult it's certainly easier than it looks like the first yeah. time I looked I was like oh, I'll never manage to paint like that I saw oh, it looks so it looks like so much work but actually like I said the speed paints especially these days that you can get they're, they've helped me out a lot yeah 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 and like and it looks it looks fine they look they look great mm. well, um, we're gonna yeah. have to see some yeah. pictures Rick. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, medium yeah. we're going to need to see put some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking of miniatures and Kickstarters, uh, Zombicide White Death is on Kickstarter at the moment. At the, mo- at the time of recording, it's uh, got seven days left to run. Uh, one and a half million pounds they've raised so far. Doing decently. So that's uh, that's not bad. Yeah, Zombicide. I've played it a few times. I played the. Um, I don't think I played the original, but I might have played the. Black, is it Black Death or Green Horde or something there, there like that? Both of those, Previous I think. Ones. Um, <laughs> mm. no, uh, I've, I've not played, but it's as cool mini or not, isn't it? That's it, yeah. It's it's more of the same, I think. It's going to be a, a big box packed full of uh, packed full of zombies. Uh, map tiles that you put out, rolling dice, trying to uh, trying to fight the monsters and the bad guys that come out and doing little scenario things. So, I believe this one has has some new mechanics in it mm. i think there's some tower defense or something like that there's all uh, right i think they, i think that they, they've put some new stuff into this one it, it looks a bit odd to be honest i've heard some complaints about people like saying the the theme is sort of all over the place there's a bit mm. of asia and but there's it's set in the snow but everyone's not really wearing very much and it doesn't really make <laughs> any sense uh, so just there's a lot of stuff going on and then I saw that there's, yeah. there's, there's some sort of expansion which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. So I don't know how they managed to shoehorn <laughs> that into that theme, but I don't know. They seem to have just sort of crammed in lots of different bits and pieces they had lying around and uh, put it into a box. The reality yeah. and, um, is... Maybe that'll work. With Simon, you the gameplay is okay. You don't buy it to make sense or not. You buy it because yeah. they're minis. <laughs> number one are cool. Number two yep. 
are the ones that I've had have always been of a decent quality. Yeah. Mm. And and the ga- the gameplay is always I've not had a problem with the gameplay of the Simon games I've had so far. Now I think yep. um unfortunately um wacky rate their wacky races game didn't do so brilliantly. That but I didn't buy it so hard. I can't comment. But Zombie Side cuz this is its what upteenth iteration clearly is yeah. some mechanics that work well. So if you're on to mm. your fifth, sixth, whatever iteration, it ought to be good. And yeah, I can attest to the quality of their minis. Always been lovely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're always a joy to paint mm. as well. I've I've got a set of uh, Cthulhu Death May Die, which I've painted, and Blood Rage, which were, they were really nice models to paint. There's so much detail on them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not um, backing this one so yeah. because the other Kickstarter is for the Battletech Mercenaries and it's already got some of my money and I'm not going right. to divulge in case someone listens and gets into trouble um, but it has got a certain amount in there um, so yeah I can't double dip on Kickstarter in the same month I would hmm. be hung out to dry uh, it, it is a bit of an expensive deal I mean it's a, a box full of plastic anyway it's not going to be cheap is it but then you've got your uh, your stuff on top of that your expansions if you want like everything for it you've got your postage and packing It's uh, it soon adds up doesn't yeah. it uh, and also, at the moment, um, the difficulty is knowing, A, postage and packaging, and even if they've got a UK distributor, I've not backed anything post-Brexit, so I have got no idea what's going to happen with VAT. Oh, I did I did actually see, I think, they, they mentioned it in the Kickstarter. I had a quick look at the campaign, and it did say something about they had VAT on top of it as well. Yeah. So I think they're doing that at the Kickstarter point now, where they're actually yeah taking the money off you. Yeah. yeah, normally normally it's in the in the pledge manager. You pay pay the VAT at that point. Pledge, so. pledge managers normally where it hits, they go. You're paying this for that, and then in the pledge manager you sort out shipping and you short sort out VAT. So you've got mm-hmm. I am going to dip in for a certain amount, um, which you know for what you're getting is a fair you know it's a decent amount of cash, but you will get a load of plastic. And good-looking plastic, but I don't know what happens with VAT. How much? You know, I'm going to guess your 100 quid is going to look more like 120 quid. Yeah, yeah, it'll yes. do. Yeah. So that's and it, it it'll be even more because that 100 pounds will probably be 40 pounds shipping on top of that, and then you pay that on the shipping as well as the game. So you end up paying 140 pounds, but then <laughs> oh, don't another 20 percent on top of all of that. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something you've really got to be aware of when you're backing Kickstarters these days. Cause it can be all over the place, but sometimes a, a campaign will include that, especially if they're based in the in Europe. Sometimes they, they mm. include it, and then the American backers get really annoyed. And, well, why, why, why are we paying that? You know, we shouldn't have to do that, and you know, they all get annoyed. So either way, people are annoyed, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Where they've got distribution and everything sorted, so that you mm, had yeah. so and so friendly shipping. And so you would look and go, yes, it's EU-friendly shipping. It is USA-friendly shipping. And they'd advertise that right at the start. And I think it's got either A, confusing, or B, people have been stuffed. But also with the way um, since lock, um, the tw- since 2020 and the lockdown and the way that shipping prices have gone up, I think everything's still reeling, trying to get its you know, logistics yeah. and everything else back. Going, well, just wait a little bit. Yeah, it has been all over the place. But uh, I think things are settling down a little bit. These days, you'll often get a little sticker that says UK-friendly. 
And if there isn't mm. one, then there will be somebody in the comments who's asked that question <laughs> every time. And yeah. uh, that'll happen. The real problem was when there, there was one campaign that I had backed, which was shipping right over when the change happened to the uh, uh, to customs yeah. when the when the deal stopped. Mm. So some people in the UK got it, but then some people got it afterwards, and that was um, a real nightmare. But the company were great about it. They they did refund everybody who had um, ended up having to pay some fees, um, and they 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 did sort it out eventually. But yeah, that was, mm. oh, that was just horrible. <laughs> it's in twenty nineteen, um, and so things got very weird because I didn't receive mm, yeah. packages until 2021 I believe it was for both of them because the whole world went weird for them and they had to come back and say look anyone can donate extra for shipping because everything went nuts what we thought was fine when we mm. set up our campaigns in 2019 so yeah I've, I've definitely had that with a couple of my kickstarters as well where they've come come back and asked for more money because they've yeah everything yeah. suddenly shot up yeah, sometimes they they give you a little bonus as well. I say, well, well this is an extra pack of cards that you could buy for quite a lot of money, but um, it would really mm. help us out. <laughs> yeah, um, you could you could always hope when it comes to retail. I mean, a lot of the kick, uh, zombie side stuff, I think they have retail boxes anyway, so it'll probably be in like Patriot Games and Dragon Cavern and Zatu and places like that where you can pick it up. Um, yeah. I guess it depends, sans all it the Kickstarter stuff. About, yeah, all the all the extra Kickstarter because you do get a lot of extra stuff. It's a lot mm. of money. But at the same mm. time, you do get a lot of extra stuff and you will be able to sell it because people will want all of the extra stuff that you can't get in yeah. retail. So it's not a bad deal, uh, generally, with a Seymour game, as long as you know what you're doing. Yeah. There are other Kickstarters as well that just don't even come to retail. They're just Kickstarter only, aren't they? So mm. that's yeah. either a bait or play somebody else's copy, I guess. <laughs> Let somebody else yeah. pay for it. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on to the games then that we've been playing recently. So... Uh, one that I played at the club and I played at Hope a couple of times as well is a game called Old Tree. Um, oh, yeah. This is from uh, 2021. It's for two to four players. takes between 60 and 120 minutes. Um, this is a cooperative game and I've been inspired by uh, Liz's explanations of the sort of narrative and story-driven games that she's been playing and that she <laughs> likes quite a lot. Yep. So I thought, oh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give this a go and try it. So it's basically a cooperative game, but there's a bit of story there as well. There's a bit of a narrative and a bit of sort of stuff in the background. So you're not just going around, you know, like picking up cubes off a board or stuff. There's, there's actually a bit of story there. So the way it works is there's a, a, a big uh, board with a kind of fortress in the middle and your rangers that are, uh, have been assigned to this fortress... And you're kind of looking after the countryside and looking after the people, the satrapy, they call it, of this uh, of this region. So it's split up into different regions, and each region will have a number of cards on it, and the cards are kind of like story cards. So they face down, you can't actually see what they are, but it'll give you a clue on the back as to like the title of it or uh, a clue as to what's, what the card's actually about. So there's those that you have to take care of, and they're the kind of bad things that are happening. There'll be problems cropping up and, and, and things happening in the in the district that you've got to go and go and sort out but uh, the main the main story part of it is like something called a chronicle uh, so this is uh, a story that's kind of built up of number of cards that you flip over kind of book style so you start off uh, on page one and it'll tell you a little bit of story and then as the as the game progresses you'll turn to page two and it'll give you the next bit of the story and then page three and so on so you kind of work your way through these uh, uh, these card decks 
I think there's five stories in the base box with like a, a, a beginning one as well. Uh, so like in one, for example, the, you're being haunted by a ghost and you've got to sort that out. And in another one, you've got imps and demons that are attacking your fortress and you've got to find a way to fight those off and, and restore order. So there's various different stories that you're working through. Um, and you're all kind of working together, solving these problems, uh, working your way through the story. It's based on skill tests. So when you go to one of the areas and you flip over a card, it'll give you a bit of story and then you might get a choice. Uh, do you want to do this or what do you want to do that? Uh, you might find something in the woods or you might find a, a cabin that's fallen into disrepair and you have to find out what happened or uh, you find a bear, there's a bear that's got arrows in him and you can help him out or you can ignore it and you might get a reward if you help it out but then again you might get lose some health because it's trying to attack you and stuff like that so there's bad things and good things can happen. So it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's uh, quite an interesting game. It's... Um, it's, it, it rattles along at a fairly quick pace. You, you have a couple of actions that you can do on your turn, uh, but the the, um, the thing is, you can't do the same action twice. So you can't go to a uh, go to a spot and then go to a different spot. You can't kind of move twice. You have to move and then do something else. Or if you're actually at a spot, you can't like do one of the story cards and then do another one straight away. You have to go and do uh, something else. But there's always plenty of choice about what you can do. You can build buildings in the fortress to to help you with your skill tests. You can. Uh, Go and sort out problems. There's events that crop up. Um, uh, you can build like uh, towers again, again, uh, uh, again in the fortress. So you, you're kind of collecting resources and building towers and things. Um, so there's quite a lot, quite a lot going on, and quite a lot to uh, to to, uh, to do. But it, because you only do two actions on your turn, it, it is really quick. You basically just do a couple of things. You might roll some dice or read a bit of story, and then it moves on to the next player, and then they'll do the same thing, and then it's back to you again. So it does it does go quite quickly. Uh, played it at four players and it took probably yeah about 90 minutes to play so roughly yeah about what you said on the box uh, but me and Tracy played it at home we've played it two player and it, uh, we rattled through it I think it took about half an hour for the first the first story that we did it was that it was really quick did, did, did you play one-handed or did you play two characters we played yeah we played with a character each right so uh, you could solo it as well yeah it's, because it's a cooperative game you can play you know you yeah, can just play like a couple of characters and do it yeah, you, you'd play with two characters, but yeah, there's no reason why you couldn't play with more. Each character's got its own special ability as well, so one of the characters, it allows you to um, do the same action twice, which you normally can't do. Um, some are better at fighting, some are better at the knowledge skill checks. Um, there's various different things there. Um, yeah, so it was really good. We, uh, we we quite enjoyed it. I like a nice cooperative game. It's... Um, it's one of those where you have to kind of work together and do different things because, you know, one person will be better at fighting and another person will be better at, you know, maybe building buildings. So they'll be getting off and getting resources, building the buildings. I'll be off fighting and, you know, trying to fight the monsters and things like that. I think because there's five stories in the box, it's probably limited on its shelf life. It's not going to last you. You know, it's not one that you're going to want to play multiple times. You can play the stories, uh, you know, a couple of times each. Uh, but that's only ten games, so I think once you've been through the story, yeah. once you'll you'll kind of know what to expect and you'll know what to work towards, and it'll make it a bit easier. That 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 was the only thing that put me off about it. Really, I actually uh, mm. I demoed it at Aircon last year, um, so I I've I played it once um, there, and yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a great game, but it was quite expensive, and I seem to remember wondering how much it'll get played. I don't. Th- I don't think it was. F- it is now. It might have been when it first came out. Like I said, it was released in twenty twenty one, so it's a mm. it's a couple of years old now. But uh, 
I, don't, I can't remember how much I paid for it, but um, it's a really nice production. It's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's it quite is, a big box with loads of wooden pieces really nice. in. Yeah, and I like the, the sort of building up the castle was quite quite satisfying. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It looked lovely. So, yeah, I think I um, basically I was hoping to pick it up in a bring and buy once somebody's finished all the... Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there'll be second-hand copies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there is an expansion which adds more, uh, more stories to it, but I think it's out right. of print. I've been looking for it. and I can't find it anywhere. So uh, okay. I think it must have been a limited run or something like that because I can't right. find, can't it's find a it anywhere. Publisher, right? I think. I think so. Yeah, I think it's based on a French RPG. It looks it. Um, right. Yeah, with with sort of na- the names of the artist and the designer look very French. Oh, yeah. Antoine Bowser. Yeah, yeah. Hi kind of suggest yeah. um but um yeah it, it sounds like it's if you're not sure about it definitely go raid bring and buys at uk games expo or aircon and other things yeah. um or possibly if i don't get there first yeah well well the other thing <laughs> it looks like it's, it'd be a good club game insofar as some people could come play it and lots of people would get the benefit from it and you wouldn't have that while you're always mm. learning you could that go true. you know i've yeah. played it once there's still four others, and so you can get different groups, and so that it sounds like the kind of good club game. You're not always going to have the same people playing at the same time. It's going to be different because I think, yeah, uh, you know, I've not played the same. You know, on a club night, if I've hit five plays of a game, it's one or two things, and it's normally the quick stuff. So that would, to mm. my mind, that would be brilliant because I go, well, I will play it probably five times. But not so quickly. Whereas we've got a similar game, um, and it's just stuffed fables. Which again, you've got those camp. Oh, you know, yeah. it's the storybook games. Once you've played it through, you kind of know what's happening. It happened, and so if you and playing mm-hmm. it at home, it's now sat on the shelf and going, well, we'll play it again. But we do know what's happened, so it's lost mm-hmm. its desire. That's another one that I'm tempted for, just to paint the models. I just think they're so cute. I love them. I was going to say, having a look at the pictures on Board Game Geek as well, they don't have minis, but they do have, by the looks of it, um, meeples with pictures on. Yeah, the 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 player pieces are like horses that are with riders on. They like the screen printed wooden horses. They're really nice. Yeah, all the resources are wooden screen printed yeah, resources like wood and fire and. Furs oh, yeah, and things yeah, like that. that was yeah, well, wasn't it? yeah. You really, just like yeah. that. It's just a deluxe, deluxe edition because it looks like it, it looks it really is, good. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just normal, right? That's it's just the it's just a normal one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the, yeah. It, yeah it's really nice to be produced. Yeah. I, I thought that yeah. just looked pretty, and it was a case. So I, so you were saying things. I'm going. Mm, hide my wallet. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's going to be a scrum at UK Games Expo. Bring them by. Lizzie and I will both be looking for yeah. Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> that there'll be a squabble in there. No, it's mine. Smoke <laughs> first. But yeah, I don't have many uh, cooperative games actually, so it would be. Uh, I think the only other one I've got that kind of fits that kind of genre is uh, the Loop, which is a pretty good. Uh, oh yeah, kind of slightly yeah. more complicated uh, cooperative game. Which is, mm. uh, yeah, I've not played that one. I've heard of it, but yeah, I've not tried it. Okay, so uh, so what you guys have been playing? What you've been playing, Tom? Um, so, well, I'm going to talk semi co-op, semi competitive, because it's Captain Sonar. Ah. Oh yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, how ha- ha- how to um, 
lose friends quickly um, if you screw up <laughs> and you're on the same team as them. Uh, so yes, no, this is a, this is definitely a good game for groups. We've I've played it with six people and I've played it with eight, and kind of both work because mm. um, when I played it with six, the three player players on each side, you have a captain, you have um, the um, radio operator and you're supposed to have um, first officer and engineer but the first officer and engineer were kind of combined together um, mm. and so you don't lose much of the gameplay and the principle is um, you have two teams um, with ideally three or four on each side but keep the numbers the same and um, you're in a sub um, moving around a map you're trying to listen to what the other team are doing, find them and blow them up first. And it sounds so easy until you play it real time. <laughs> in saying north, east, south, and whatever. You can't, and it's like Snake, you can't go back over your path until you surfaced. And mm. um, whenever you're going in a direction, the engineer must cross off something on the engineer's panel. And the um, first officer is trying to activate certain weapon systems or um, silent running and other bits and so that's what you're doing on your sub and then you've got the poor sub that's the radio operator that's trying to ignore his team listening to the other team mm. <laughs> you get an order barked from your captain going right where are they can I fire a missile the well-oiled machine theoretically um, <laughs> yes We've got um, torpedoes ready, and yes, the engineer hasn't crossed off torpedoes as an option, so you can still use them, because that's the other snag. And then you fire a torpedo, and the other team will go, yes, you're direct hit or adjacent or missed completely. Mm -hmm. And in order to go back over where you've been, you, your sub rises um, it, to the surface, and you rub out um, everything on the engineers because that then becomes clear you've solved all the problems that way. Um, and as a captain, you get to rub your map off because you can then go backward. But whilst you're doing that, you've got a picture of your sub and it's four different sections. And each player must quickly but accurately draw around your section with the dry white marker and not go over the lines, which, of course, I'm shocking at. Um, <laughs> and then you pass it along to everyone else once you've rubbed out and got it properly. And then you have to get it checked on the other side. And only when you've done that do you get to go below the surface and start moving. So the other team know that you've surfaced. Get one piece of information because you surfaced. And just rapidly trying to go, right, where the heck are they? Where they're... You've got the poor soul as the radio operator going, well, I think they're here. <laughs> Panic, panic, panic. So, yeah, it's very intense. It's a load of fun, yeah. but you can lose friendships, I'm fairly sure about it, if you <laughs> screw it up. Um, or don't know your east from your west. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we played this a couple of times at the club, uh, and it's quite a big game because it plays up to eight players, so you've got, like, a, a big shield in the middle, and they have four people sat on one side of it and then four people on the other side. And we were like, well, we need to listen to what the other team's saying, and we need to listen to what our team's saying. So what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And when, eventually we um, we took over the snooker room next door and we set up on the snooker table and played there. Yeah. Oh, um, that I, makes sense. 
The first time I played was with people who hadn't really played it before, and mm. yeah, it was a bit of a bugger's muddle. But when you've got a few people mm. that know what they're doing and have got a bit of a pattern and go, right, what you do need, really, is you need to have a good captain who goes, right, I know where I'm going to be directing you. Mm. And I've got an idea of what it looks like on the engineer's sheet to um, relieve things. We hadn't played before. Um, the first time I played it, no one had really played. And so the engineer was going, no, you can't do this because I can't cross it off. I need you to go in this direction. <laughs> and the captain was going, well, I hadn't planned to go north. We've got an island in the way. And the engineer was going, well, if we don't go north, you don't get X, Y, and Z. And yeah, um, yeah. So, so there is an element where the captain <laughs> needs to know how to make things go nicely for the engineer. And then very focused for the radio operator, being able to listen to what the captain is barking at. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that first game's quite tricky, because especially if you have to teach as well, because yeah, everybody's doing something different, aren't they? It, it is very much a case of play this game once, be aware that you're going to screw it up, but have fun. Yeah, yeah. Second time, and then... And that's Yeah, that's when you get it. Then you'll go, I think it makes sense. And then the third yeah. time, you'll probably know what you're doing. But I'd heard good things about it. And whereas other games, you go, well, after about 10, 15 minutes, you kind of get the feel of it, and it doesn't matter. And with a good teacher, this one, it is a case of, look, the ship has sunk, you're diving into the deep end. If you can't swim, you're <laughs> stuffed. Just learn. <laughs> and and you're going to be sucking in water. Um, but, you know, hopefully you have a, in, at least enough fun to try it again, because it is definitely worth playing it, probably screwing up the first time, and then leaving it a week, and then coming back and going, right, yeah, yeah, learn yeah. things now, let's do it again. Yeah. And then it becomes fun. Yeah, it's a good one, that, yeah. Have you, have you played this one, Lizzie? I did once, yeah, at the club. But it was it was quite a long time ago. I can't mm. remember whose copy it was. Oh, well, I, can't, I don't actually know when the game came out. It must have been well before COVID, twenty eighteen, something like that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. But it was similar. No, nobody had played it before. I don't think so. Nobody really knew what they were doing. Mm. But it, uh, it was great fun. Mm. The, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it when I played it. Yeah, yeah. I've got a game which is similar, which is Space Cadets Dice Duel, which sort of mm. completely fell under the radar. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoy that game. Um, I've had some great games through it. It's, it's a sort of similar experience of like eight people with four people on either side. Oh, so right, you're yeah. All, a, do, you're all doing different things. Grid. Yeah, um, kind mm. of Star Trek style. Kind of one person's the engineer mm. and somebody's weapons and somebody's the captain and the navigator, I think, of the four. So the only difference really is that everyone's just frantically rolling dice. So the engineer has to try and roll the dice to get the right faces and then pass dice to other people so that they can, they can mm. roll them and so everyone's just frantically trying to get these dice in the right places and then <laughs> the captain will shout fire like right have we got everything have you got have you got weapons are we, are we facing the right way <laughs> and everyone's like, uh, everyone has to stop at that point and check right okay what's going on are we shooting are you shooting <laughs> who blew up probably nobody <laughs> but um yeah, it was great. I remember playing that back at the Red House. It must have been a very long time oh, wow. ago. Yeah. And there were, there were dice yeah. everywhere. There were dice all over the floor. There was a lot of shouting. <laughs> Everyone had a great time. <laughs> but yeah, I'm meaning to get that one. i try Captain Sonar again. and I think it's probably a similar experience, but mm. um, done, done a bit better. 
Have you been playing anything, Lizzie? What have you been playing? Um, I've had a couple of games of uh, Cat in the Box recently. Oh, uh, I played that as well, yeah. Which I thought yeah. was a re- really interesting little game. Mm. Uh, so, a trick-taking game. So, yeah, so, so you have a hand of cards which have numbers on, and pictures of cats, yeah. obviously. And that's the main thing, get that out of the way. There are cats. Um, yeah. But they don't have any suits. So Schrodinger's body. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there, are, there are five copies of each number, and you only decide what suit it is when you play the card. So then you've got a board in in, uh, in front of everybody, and when you play the card, you mark off which number of which colour you've played. So there are, there are four suits in the game, red, blue, yellow, and green. Uh, so you put a little marker to show that you've played like the blue four, or whatever it happened to be, uh, into this grid, and then you carry on playing, playing tricks in the normal way that you'd expect. Um, so you can decide that, actually, I don't have any blues. Maybe the next person um, says, actually, I don't want to play blue. Uh, maybe I'll trump this. And then they have to take a little marker off their board to say that they're out of blues. Then they can't play blues for the rest of the game because they said they were out of blues. And they can't just suddenly decide that they were cheating. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then they'd mark that they've played a red two, for instance. And then reds are always trumps, so they they would probably win that trick because they, they've trumped it. But then you've set sort of which, what, which cards you've played for the rest of the game. To, so you might make, make your life more difficult if then from then on you can't play any blues. Because uh, at the end of the game you'll end up with some cards and there are only a few slots left on the board where you can put your markers at that point. Because you will place off all the markers on, on the grid. So it gets really difficult by the end trying to play anything because you might only have ones and twos but they've already all been marked off on the board, so you can't play them. And if that happens, then you cause a paradox. And that's bad. That's real bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's minus points uh, at the end of the game. Um, but if you manage to play all your cards out okay and you get away with it, uh, then you get points for how many tricks you've won and for what kind of orthogonally adjacent area you've managed to place your markers on the board. So, which is really weird for a trick-taking game that it has this extra sort of mechanic of uh, basically area control. You're trying to make an area. So you're trying to choose cards of the right colours uh, to get your markers to line up. Um, which is a really interesting little little twist on the game. Mm-hmm. If you can manage to not paradox. That's the main problem. Mm. Um, uh, well, when I played it, someone was rubbish at not getting a paradox. I, I love mm. tokens. Um, but I work in a physics department, so I, I'm tempted to buy it for just for at school because it's got all the physics bits in it. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. the, 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 the deluxe markers are really nice. Yeah, the nice really little nice plastic. Production. Yeah, coloured tokens, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the unnecessary little cats. Yeah, I, I didn't recognise <laughs> the mouse, however, to start off with. I, I really, that really threw me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is pink, but yeah. Okay. Not entirely obvious. No, because we normally play with white mice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I enjoyed a few games. I'm not. I'm not sure how long it would stay. I don't know how much the like the gimmick is really interesting at first, but I don't mm. know if it'll end up turning into kind of once you know how to get around it, um, if it will play itself out a little bit. I'm not sure. And some people, I think, certainly really don't like the paradoxes because uh, it does feel bad. Because sometimes you can't really do anything about it. Mm. It just it just happens, and you you end up with cards that you can't play, and that's it. You're going to have minus points then, uh, which can feel a little bad. 
Um, that, that 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 was going to be my question. Um, I think when we played it to win, you basically don't have to paradox. Yeah, and that seemed to be the case in our games. Was it was it the same in yours as well? If you if you paradox, then that's kind of you know you lose that many points that so it's not really you can't really win from that point onwards. Or you can also force people to paradox, and so therefore it, uh, it's an element because things whoever causes the first paradox everything else goes so sometimes it's a case of you know you are going to paradox but if you can force some other poor soul to do so before you then you can get away with it yeah, um, yeah. and so um, I think it's kind of the it's 10 o'clock or half past 10 you want something that's fairly quick and in that respect I think it works nicely at that point of an evening yeah it's a nice little finisher for a, for a filler for the end isn't it yeah, you know, it's yeah. A, I don't mm. fancy going home quite yet it's not. It's going to use a bit of my brain, but not too much. Um, and you can orient the the sort of like the scoring zone where you're placing that I played the blue seven here because you can either have it where all the sevens are aligned or they're all offset. So you've got yeah a, at least a little cards, bit of variation yeah. as well, isn't? It? And it looks cool. You know, it's not going to cost an awful lot of cash really because it's a fairly small box game, and I. I think it does what it does nicely um and and does make you think about yeah the, the the other question i had was uh we played an iron's copy and I'd, i think it only played it a few times uh the sides of the cards were starting to wear away wear away you know we were just like shuffling and regular play i read that somewhere i've i sleeved mine straight away because i was uh, playing in a yeah. pub <laughs> so yeah. i just sleeved it <laughs> well i have heard that yeah so i didn't really notice it which seemed uh, i don't I know if it's because the black really cards they're like black coloured aren't they up, mm. up to the borders yeah, or whether true. it was just because they're lower quality I'm not sure but yeah it seemed a bit weird that they were um, the yeah. version yeah. I played um, it was Miguel's and he'd bought it and it hadn't been released in the UK at that point in time so when I played it it was pre-UK release it was that new mm. so um, I don't know but yeah that's a shame for a deluxe edition you think they could have done some mm. like, linen cards or something because yeah yeah I mean, the rest of it is nice. The the board that you lay out with the area control yeah. bit on it and the plastic tokens and everything, they're all great. It's just the cards themselves that seemed a bit, yeah, a bit cheap and flimsy. But, uh, yeah, that might have just been his copy anyway. But, yeah, I've, I've played it a couple of times and, yeah, I've enjoyed it. And like uh, like Tom said, yeah, it's a good filler for, like, the end of the night or the start of the night, you know, before you start your big game and you're just waiting for people to yeah. turn up. Don't take long, does it, to, to, to yeah. play it? Yeah, yeah, it's it, not it's not really that difficult to teach. I think it took me a while to read the rules. I had to read it a few times <laughs> to sort of get my head around it. But once you yeah. understand it, it's actually quite easy to teach other people. Yeah, um, yeah. once it makes sense to you. Mm. <laughs> I, I did have to read it a few <laughs> times. Like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, it doesn't take long to teach, especially if some to people who've played any sort of trick taking game. Mm. It's not as difficult as it might appear. Mm. Mm. But yes, you need. Yeah, to, yeah they, they know a trick taking game. Um, and can get their head around the fact that it, it's kind of a, a bit like a cheating trick-taking game where you are semi-lying, but you're not quite. You're just choosing something mm. not to cheat because you've not yeah. caused a paradox. Yeah, you can't lie. Everything has to be theoretically possible that you do. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but you can kind of decide what's best at the time, yeah. uh, which is, yeah. It's a really neat idea. Uh, what else? What else are we playing? Um, so I've played um, 
cult. Um, choose your god wisely. And um, so it's when I saw the board laid out, I went, oh, that looks a little bit like um, Ark, um, second edition Arkham Horror, which I had. Um, it's a bit different, but a bit the same because I ended up playing um, as Cthulhu, actually. Um, so you've got one, um, two to five players. Each player mm-hmm. has um, a high cultist, which is a nice keep you on the miniatures theme, a big robed figure, and some meeples. Uh-huh. Um, and so you are trying to. Um, you've got followers, you've got priests, you've got the archdeacon or whatever they're called, but basically the big model. And there is the city, and you're placing your priests at different part locations in the city. Um, and the priests have values of start off at one to three, but they can go up to level four and level five. And what you're trying to do is have the highest level of priests at that space, and then you win it, and you get um, the advantage of that space, whether it's money or whether more followers or other different things and you're trying to win the game by having the most powerful cult and your cult can be the win conditions are you manage to summon your god twice so you you summon cthulhu twice or um one of the gods is actually being an atheist so you manage to succeed with that twice you've got um janus and I'd like to say I can remember the others, but there's a whole bunch. I think there's about seven or eight different gods. So one way is you summon your god twice. The other, another way of winning, is by having um, uh, managed to get four sets of fanatics to your side. Um, and I think the third way is by um, having um, five different temples in the location. And so you've got three different objectives to achieve, and each god has got their own special kind of powers. And when you summon your god once, you flip the god over, and they've got slightly different powers and a different summoning requirement. So it's everyone's doing the same mechanic, but there's that asymmetry of different powers and mm-hmm. what you're trying to succeed with. It's really quite nice in the way that you are trying to influence the things that you're doing and you know that actually I'm going on this location not necessarily because I want it but to stop somebody else mm. the early moves of when you're placing your priest and going well I've got to place this level 2 here because I want this but if someone comes along can I trump them um, and other elements so yeah it's a lot of land grab and the early mm. stages but when you've got more followers you get access to more of the board but then certain abilities cause you to lose followers, and so you get reduced access to other parts of the board. So yeah, it was really nice um, in terms of the area control um, and trying to achieve the objective. It played, I think it was about an hour and a half. It took us maybe two hours mm. for the first time we played because we'd ended up having two, three games of Captain Sonar, and then I played this. So in... Mm. Uh, Three and a half hours um, of a Tuesday night, two to three three games of Captain Sonar and one game of Cult was what I managed to achieve. So I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like the look of this one. It looks really nice. Um, yeah, I've never heard of this. I just yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. It, it is um, because you've got 
the different gods as well, you've got as a person, well, actually, I can play it again and play a different god um, or try to go for the different objectives. And after the first sort of two turns, you really get an idea of how to get your engine running as well because if mm -hmm. um, part of the board you're going for to get those abilities and all of those things and using your god ability correctly. So, yeah. 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 Was it a Kickstarter? Um, I, I think it's quite... I think it um, came out 2018. So it should oh, okay. be in the shops or in Bring and Buy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, definitely uh, one I hadn't seen before and certainly enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, it's not a word I've heard about that, but uh, yeah, looks interesting. Yeah, and that, that, those are kind of the things that I've played that I haven't talked about before. Okay, any more from you, Lizzie, or shall we move on to the uh, question of the week? Um, uh, let, let's, let's move on to uh, travel games. So, uh, what, what do you mean by travel game then, if you want to explain? Oh, well, that's a good question, really, isn't it? I guess it depends depends what you're doing with it, but um, any game that you take with you somewhere for any reason. So generally it would be small, uh, something to take on holiday, uh, yeah. play on a train mm -hmm. or a plane. I guess it's, I, I used to carry games around with me quite a lot of the time. I used to have a larger handbag and I used to carry Love Letter around with me at all times, for instance, mm. just in case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the need arose uh, yeah. for some sort of game because uh, you never know when that might happen so yeah I used to carry around Love Lester all the time I, I play, I'm sure I played that on, on a plane once as well oh uh, yeah yeah. because uh, it doesn't take up a lot of room Pop Trumps classic game Pop Trumps to my mind is the ultimate is the ultimate travel game because you've just got your set of cards and you can shout across a coach at people and say <laughs> um, height, whatever, and but um, so I used to play a lot of Top Trumps on holiday. I have actually played a Top Trumps game recently. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. we, do they still uh, make them? They must. Tra yeah. Trace is a big Friends fan, so we wow. bought Top Trumps Friends, uh, and it was horrible. We uh, we just gave up playing in the end because we were playing two player and like we we went through the deck. There's not that many cards in it, and you kind of, yeah. Once you've been through the deck a couple of times, you know what all the stats are, and you kind of <laughs> you're just trumping each other all the time, and it, it never ended. So I don't know if we were playing it wrong or whatever, but uh, that that seems to be one of the ones that are available in like, in like the airports. You know, when you go to WH Smiths and you have that little section yeah. there for games, holiday games and stuff. Yeah. You, they quite often they'll have like top trumps and Uno and like a a Scrabble game like a magnetic Scrabble or a magnetic chess or something like that, weren't they? That kind of thing. Oh, we had a magnetic Scrabble. It was awful. All the letters fell off. It was just magnets. <laughs> we had two travel games, one of which was Scrabble. But um, when when I was younger, it was the Travel Monopoly. And oh, and wow. so you had micro-sized cash. And so, yeah, there, there, um, so there was me, my brother, stepbrother, stepsister in the car trying to play... I mean, it's a genius idea. Let's take a very popular game. Let's make it magnetised so the things don't fall off. Put it into very small and so parents <laughs> think that it's a great Christmas or birthday gift. The reality is you've got these tiny fiddly things with a magnet that doesn't work properly that falls down the back of whatever you're transporting it in. 
keep kids entertained and actually you're providing a game that is more likely to end in bloodshed than anything else when you're halfway to Dorset and someone wants to be sick and yes you have just stitched up whoever owns Mayfair no just insert this wherever shredder burn it but they thought you know this is a great idea yeah, let's combine the two things most likely to cause a family argument. Being in a car <laughs> and Monopoly. Perfect. <laughs> Word games. <laughs> but I know your problem with um, Top Trumps, Rick. Mm. Were you playing with anyone who was younger than a teenager? If you weren't, then it will fail. Because Top Trumps only works if you're playing with someone younger than a teenager. Because... Right. The person younger than a teenager will possibly enjoy it. Anyone yeah. else <laughs> just wants to go. So I have played it more recently, but that's because I live with someone who's younger than a teenager. Uh, yeah. Even now, yeah. he's getting discerning and going, no, Dad, can we play something decent? Yeah. Can we play an actual game? <laughs> I guess like card games, like Elizabeth said, um, Love Letter, obviously it's just like 18 cards, is it? Something like that. It's absolutely tiny, isn't it? So smaller card games and things like that. Yeah. Will, will be ideal stuff that you can put your handbag or in like a little travel bag or something. There's quite a lot of games now, aren't there? They're, they're like quite a tiny, tiny. Even though there might not be a tiny footprint when you're actually playing the game, they yeah. actually come in a small box. That, something like the tiny Epic games, things like that. Issue, yeah. Some games you really can't like. Um, I was thinking about it. Tr- Tranquility is a really nice cooperative card game with numbers. It takes up a huge hmm. amount of space because you have to make this massive grid. <laughs> is it five by five? Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, it's it's huge. For a little box. No, 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 it's six by six. Six by six, even bigger. Is that including yeah, the border? Because um, that makes it even larger. It's six by six grid. Um, and right. then you've got the border. And then on you've the got a border around it. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's when you get the You're map. not playing that on a plane. Um, <laughs> but it's that size box, the tranquility box. I've got a number from Triple Ace games. And so they're the small box things, and they're normally quite decent. We've got one which is called Imps. And it's a two player game, and you've got some dice. And a few cards and things. And so uh, last year I went and did part of Cotswold Way with my son. And so we'd stop off at points and get a tea or coffee or for him, mm. ice cream and hot chocolate. And so you could play that in the cafe and just carry it with you. So it's something where I would say for an ideal travel game is same size box as Tranquility or, you know, or a double sort of size, two decks of cards side by side. Mm-hmm. And you can play on a coffee table. That's what I would call a travel game. Mm, yeah, you can play it on a coffee table, you know, and the crap coffee tables where you can probably get two or three drinks and a little space inside, not the mahoosive um, four foot by six foot jobbies um, with um, Lou's um, Auntie Mavis in the sofa next to it, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever played any of the button shy games, those little wallet uh, style games? I haven't. I've wanted to because they, they do the contest as well, don't they, with sort of eighteen card games or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we played uh, Sprawlopolis uh, at the yeah. club, 
and that's kind of like a, a it's kind of like tile laying, but your tiles are cards really. So you, you've got like a a little deck of of cards, like you say, like eighteen cards or something. But they they've got these uh, kind of city blocks printed on them. So you uh, you kind of lay them out, and you're trying to build a grid, and you try to score as many points as you can. I think they do a lot of solo games as well. Um, this one we played like multiplayer, like as a cooperative kind of game. Uh, but you can play it solo, and I think they do do competitive games as well in that kind of format. Basically, you can flick, put them in your po- pocket, put them in your wallet, things like that. But you can probably take yeah. half a dozen and not take up too much space. Yeah, there's there's loads of them now. I, I've got a bunch which I've um, you can get the print and play files. So I, I've I've got got a copy of Sprawlopolis which I've mm. printed out, and then which has the added benefit that you really don't care if anything happens to it, or if you lose it, or mm. um, spill anything on it. Cause you can just print it out again. It's not a problem. But you, you yeah. can buy them, and they yeah, make yeah. really nice little wallets. They make a nice little collection. That's that's the other thing. Yeah, if you're if you're taking like a, a game away and you're playing a solo game at the side of the pool or something like that, mm. there's a chance it might get wet or you might yeah. get you know rained on or spill drinks on it or something. So it'd be better if it's it is something cheap and replaceable yeah. rather than something you know more expensive and more. Talking about being waterproof, well, I've got a game called Palm Island, which is the uh, special. Hmm. Um, plastic card edition which is specifically designed to be able to play it anywhere in any weather um, All right. <laughs> it's fine <laughs> and that, that, that you can play in your palm that's why it's called Palm Island it's just a, a deck of cards and it's basically a resource management game uh, where you get mm. a choice of the two cards which are on the top of the deck which card do you want to play and you can basically either keep it as whatever resources it's got printed on it by turning it sideways so it sticks out of the side with the mm. rest of the deck which you're holding in your hand or you can use mm. some resources to build the thing, and then you can turn it over and flip it, and it basically improves the card, and then you put it to the back. So you oh. work through the through, through That's the deck. That's clever. So, so you don't even need a table no, or anything no, to play it No, you just hold it in your hand. Oh. Yeah, so you can play it yeah. in a queue. That's cool. Um, wherever. Yeah. So yeah, they, they, they made a whole thing out of it on their Kickstarter, getting people to send them pictures of them playing it like next to a waterfall or uh, wherever. <laughs> um, so I think, for me, that might be the ultimate travel game, because you really... Yeah, that, that sounds good. Absolutely yeah. anywhere. Don't you yeah. need a table? Nothing. As long as you've got yeah. two functional hands, you're okay. But there, there, were, there were a couple of games like that now which work in your palm. Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool. I can't think of any that I've played that you, that you don't need some kind of surface or something to play on. Oink games, but, thinking about it, they're also good for the small box and don't need oh, a yeah. large yeah. amount yeah, of space. Yeah. Basically, pretty much all of theirs will count. Yeah, we've, we've played, um, oh, what's the one where you're doing drawings? You like make a drawing, a mark on a piece of paper, and then fake you pass it on. Fake Artist in New York? That's it, Fake Artist, yeah. Fake artist. No, That's that really one. good fun, that one, yeah. And, and yeah. It, yeah, it needs a bit of space, but again, it, it, it fulfills the, if you've got a little coffee table, you can just do a little bit of drawing on there, and you don't need masses of space. Uh, I guess another thing to think about as well is like who you're going to be playing with. So if you're, playing, if you're taking sort of games to play with your partner or whatever and you uh, you play games regularly then it doesn't really matter but if, if you're going like for example we're going with some we're going to a cottage with some friends later on in the year so I'm, th- I'm probably thinking about taking a couple of games with me but obviously they're not, they're not gamers so it'll be it, you know I'll need to pick something that that is going to be interesting for me and Tracy to play but it's not but they're going to be able to join in as well you know it's not going to be too overwhelming yeah. or something that's going to be you know off-putting or something yeah well, I, I think Jet Generally, the travel games are also good as gateway games, aren't they? As a typical mm. rule, because you're not going for the in-depth. Some of the tiny epic series, they're a, 
do get a little bit more gamery and have a bit more of the space. But generally, if they're going to take up a small table space and small bag space, they're generally um, quite quick to get into, partly because they don't have the space to go well. Here is a 25-page densely packed rule book. Enjoy. And mm. <laughs> saying that, I, I've got a copy of BIOS Genesis, which I haven't played yet, but I can't remember what it is. Somewhere between four and four point five on Board Game Geek. Heavy. Oh wow, that's it's quite high, isn't it? Ridiculously heavy <laughs> for a um, a small um, box size. So I'm, I'm 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 intrigued to see how they manage to get a game that's that complicated mm. in a, a normal travel size box. So that's probably the most weight to sort of density game that I own. Ooh. The, the, the other thing I thought about as well is what what if you don't even take a game with you? So, like, for example, if you wanted to play Skull, all you need is some yeah. beer mats with, like, yes, a mark on one side. Yeah. Like, yeah, fake, art, fake artist, all you need is some bits of paper and a pack of felt tips, and you can play that. You don't really yeah. need the game at all. Yeah. Well, so. um, if, if you can find some dice somewhere, you can play, like, Liar's Dice or something like that. You just need some dice and some paper for scoring on. Yeah. Um, Railroad Inks are good for that as well because the box has oh, got yeah. that space oh, yeah. to roll in. They don't take up a lot of space. And mm. because it's dry wipe as well, you're not kind of yeah. shedding things. Um, yeah. Rolling rights in general are, are pretty good shouts, really, here. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of sort of print-and-play one-off rolling rights these days as well. That You just print out a piece of paper and then um, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much any... Apart from maybe Isle of Cats, that takes up a surprising amount of space. Yeah, that's a bit of a. (laughs) To get all the cards out. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's not. The box is a bit of a big box game, um, really, isn't it? Yeah, the the explore and draw. I mean, I haven't played the explore. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, I thought you meant the big one. Yeah, with the polyamorous. No, no, no. That's definitely not. (laughs) Look, well, taking that on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) You can put your clothes in the box, so you don't need to take a suitcase. (laughs) It's <laughs> really how the cat's box up. They're saying that once I, I went on holiday to Madeira with just my husband and we took Seventh Continent with us. Oh, wow. In the suitcase. <laughs> yeah, I guess madness, you're spending yeah. a lot of time together, aren't you? You've got plenty of time to, yeah, to sort of explore and yeah, do, yeah. do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, just le- we just left it all out on, um, on the. There was a huge table there. Yeah. Um, we normally ate outside, so we just left Seventh Continent on this on this big table and just came back to it whenever we had a bit of time. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. Recommended. Yeah. Top travel game. <laughs> Seventh Continent. <laughs> well, my ultimate travel game is Rice Dice because I bought it when I was in New York, bought it on holiday, and brought it back with me. And it's a nice uh, little game. Ah, that's a good one. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a nice that's little a game. Point. It it takes up, um, you know. Um, a little bit more space than some of them, but not too much. You kind of need enough space in front of you for about four cards um, and a few tokens and things. So, um, And it's slightly chunkier than the Tranquility box, but not much more. But yeah, buying buying games when you're on holiday, that's a, yeah, yeah. That's a good one as well. Yeah, yeah. I've done that a few times. I just found a board game shop wherever I was and I picked up a little card game. Yeah, get something while you're there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of them are multilingual as well. They are language independent, mm-hmm. so even if you don't get the rules in English, you can always download them and and still play the game yeah. quite quite easily. What what about uh, like condensing down a game? So, like for example, if you take Splendor, 
Um, mm. this, the box of that is, is mostly air, so it's like a deck of cards and some chips. So I guess you could put those in a plastic bag or something and take that with you. Or, like, for example, Carcassonne, if you take all the expansions out, you just take the scoring, scoring board out, you just end up with, like, a few tiles yeah. and, um, you know, just a bag of seven or eight meeples, meeples each, something like that. That'll be mm. quite a small to take away, wouldn't you, if, if you want, like, a two-player game. I guess there's a lot of games you could kind of condense down and take out the unneeded stuff and take that with you as well. Yeah, I just am not that well planned. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to pack the suitcase and work out unpacking and effectively repacking a board game. No, yeah. grab the small box, thank you very have much. You, have you got your passport? Have you got your travel money? Have you got your sunscreen? <laughs> uh, have you got your board game? That's pretty low down on the list, isn't it? Stuff that you need when you're going normally, down your checklist. Have you, have you got the tickets? <laughs> have you got the passport? I have got the tickets, but I've got some yeah. content, content with yeah. me. Do you have the tickets? Well, they're PDFs nowadays. You know, They send them to you electronically. Have you got the sunscreen? Oops. No, I'm going to buy a board game. Yes, we've got four. Which one do you want to play first? <laughs> there you go so there's some uh, yeah some good suggestions there um yeah we'll have to uh, we'll have to report back at the end of the year and see what worked and what didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, um, see what the strangest thing you can take through customs is <laughs> yeah uh Hold. <laughs> <laughs> i did take some x-wing once actually weirdly i, I went to a tournament abroad and so I took some like, models and hmm. obviously all of the, all the bits and bobs that you need for that. They must have thought that, that was very, <laughs> very odd. <laughs> like, what are you doing with these wow. some, uh, Star Wars models and dice and rulers? <laughs> I yeah. find it transfer ports really nicely because I, I took it on holiday. It does pack down. Yeah, yeah surprisingly um, well. Because as long as you don't care about having the mat. So I just took um, some models with my son. So literally sort of five or six each in a deck of cards and the dice and that's all you need so yeah i could take that and go well yeah. oh my god i did actually take x-wing to iceland on holiday with me oh wow that's insane I for- i'd completely forgotten about that yeah <laughs> just the core set i played it with with my husband uh-huh. randomly in a cabin in iceland <laughs> there you go so there uh-huh. you go miniature games Travel do travels game. too yes yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Use anything as terrain. You know, get out a game of Frostgrave if you just need some dice. <laughs> Tokens for models. <laughs> Salt and pepper salsas for uh, terrain. There you go, done. Yeah. Game anywhere. Right, okay, well, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up then. So thank you, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks, Lizzie, for joining us today. It's been good talking to you. Oh, thanks for having me. And Tom Lovell as well. Thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for having me again. Thanks for listening. We've been the Sheffield Board Gamers. Come and see us. Uh, we play at the University Arms on a Tuesday night and at the Red Deer in Sheffield every first Sunday of the month. So come and say hello. Until next time, thanks for joining us and we'll, uh, we'll speak to you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Bye.